Please stay tuned. You with Sirius FM 105.7, your number one station in the East Rand. Yes, a fresh on the tarmac of Oa Tambo Airport is our very own uh, Mufti Ibrahim Smith. Looking good there, and Alhamdulillah, fresh from the pyramids of Egypt. Right to from Cairo to uh, to Johannesburg, and at ten uh, he'll be flying uh, to Cape Town. You know, remember Cecil John wrote there from Cape to Cairo, but uh, Mufti has been also in the holy lands uh, of uh, yeah the, of jihad, the holy lands I call it because it should be a, these people are so powerful that they stand against uh, some of the most uh, powerful artilleries and military of the world. Those people, those Palestinians, those Gazans, and Alhamdulillah, Mufti Ibrahim Smith has visited them. He will be giving us a, uh, inshallah, a uh, report back uh, very soon. There's he. He's giving me a big smile, the thumbs up. Mufti Ibrahim Smith, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Ahlan wa salan. And welcome back to South Africa. Kosi zigaleli, Africa. Mufti Saab. Wa alaikum wa salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Shafat, mashallah. Yes, I just arrived a couple of a uh, minute ago, and I have to board uh, it's around uh, 8.30, because our flight back to Cape Town is around about 9. So, inshallah, alhamdulillah, I'm so glad to be uh, back on our own home soil as well, G. Uh, Mufti Saba, when you were in uh, uh, from Egypt, you went into uh, Gaza, and tell us uh, what's the feeling like, and uh, you know, you, you, you all actually met with the uh, the authorities there. Was it the Palestinian authorities, uh, Mufti Saab? Shafat, I met with a lot of authorities, but you cannot go into Gaza now. It will take you at least another 20, 30 days just to enter because of the high-profile meetings and uh, because it's three governments involved, South Africa and uh, Egypt and uh, Palestinian as well. So we had the Palestinian uh, uh, Consul General training with us, uh, Asuna, you know, very, very uh, sincere guy. So he was with us and people of the Palestinian embassy as well. But the saddest part is the people is waiting that side for the aid. The aid has been purchased, but because of diplomatic uh, uh, discussions and high-profile talks, you can't just take it over the border because you upset the, uh, Israel, you know, so uh, the government is trading on a very, very thin line uh, as, uh, to keep diplomatic ties. So I can't, and I fail to understand because people have been sending me messages directly from Gaza saying, where are you people? We're waiting here. We're dying. We need, we need, we need of life-saving medication. We, we told them, I told them personally, I have. And we've bought all the things here, but because of uh, bilateral agreements between the two governments, it is not easy just to take it in. So the team is still there, uh, currently uh, uh, in, in Cairo. The medication will arrive uh, Tuesday, inshallah. And then after that, we're just waiting on the uh, on Darko, the South African embassy, uh, to give the, the green light. And then from there, uh, I think the aid convoy will leave for Gaza, inshallah. You know, Mufti Saab, I remember interviewing uh, many, many years ago a professor from uh, from uh, that part of the world in, in, in Palestine. And he told me, he told me very vociferously on air many years ago that, brother, you are sending us aid, you're sending us everything, you're sending us medicine. And, uh, you know, he said, come, I'll show you the sheds. They all expired. They are not here. All your things didn't come through. Are we, I mean, people are collecting. In other words, uh, you know, uh, hardly, they, uh, hardly anything goes through. So, what happens? Is someone looting it? It's like you know how uh, the vaccines are being sold and these things being sold, and uh, I don't know what's going on, uh, Mufti Saab. Yes, Shafat, uh, that's what some people from Gaza told me. 
that uh, in fact they invited me to their homes. I said as soon as I cross the Rafa border, I will come visit you personally. You know, uh, the problem is uh, the people are collecting, and a lot of millions are being collected. Uh, Palestine or the Palestinian cause has become a gravy train for certain organisations. I can tell you, since 2012, no one has entered Gaza. Uh, no one has been able to enter Gaza. So whatever pictures and posters you see is what the organizations, they tell the people in Gaza to, to stand with a few loaves of bread, etc. And you will think that they've entered uh, Gaza. No one has entered. This will be the first convoy, inshallah, that, uh, to enter Gaza. But uh, there is looting happening because millions are uh, pledges, etc. on TV. People are collecting and people are just giving because our heart is connected to the Palestinian cause. But unfortunately, the majority of it doesn't end up in, uh, in uh, the hands of the Palestinians, you know, we've worked uh, now with the uh, Red Crescent Society, International Society, and uh, they've been able to uh, source for us uh, the medication. In fact, I visited the Palestinian hospital in Cairo. I met people of Gaza that is there. They just came out of the and Very, very sad, you know, inshallah. In future, I'll have, uh, I think I have to send out a detailed report what happened in the last 10 or 12 days. So the South African community, they can become wary. They must be alert, not just to donate. They have to verify where the money is going to. That's the group that I've been training with our TSS. A complete transparency is about from the day we left until yesterday when I bought it. I can tell you where every cent. And you know, the best part is we've purchased the food from our own money. Whatever we bought, uh, wow. our, stay, our tickets, etc. That came out of my own pocket. Not a single cent that has been solicited through the Palestinian cause, uh, but went to our own personal expenses. In fact, we gave out from our personal money to the patients uh, of Gaza in their particular Palestinian hospital because uh, just to get them from Gaza to, to Cairo, it's about five or six days and uh, they have to go back as well. You know, so many people in need of life-saving uh, medication in Gaza right now as we speak. Now, Mufti Saab, the team that you went with, uh, some are still there. And how big was the contingent? Uh, uh, we were about 13 people. Three people left, uh, I think, three days ago because that was a father, a son, and, and a brother. Uh, because the father's wife, meaning the, uh, uh, the mother of the son, she is in, on a ventilator in Cape Town uh, because of COVID-19. There's absolutely nothing they can do. She's been on a ventilator before the team left, so they decided still to go to Gaza. But then because of their children still in Cape Town, so those three brothers, uh, they spoke to me. I said, no problem, please go home. There's nothing the doctors can do. Give you a, a final goodbye, you know. So despite their mother and wife being in hospital of COVID-19, they still uh, stayed with us for about uh, nine days in Cairo. And uh, I came home this morning because this is what my commitment. I could only give two weeks towards the, uh, towards the course, you know. And uh, the rest of the team, about uh, nine of them, uh, basically, or eight of them, they still there. And they will ensure that uh, the medication and purchases will go to the people of Ghazaji. Now, Mufti Saab, looking at bank and reconciliation statements. Uh, so we need to find out from individuals that are collecting uh, on behalf of Palestine and they, they need the money and some, you know, Allah forbid, I mean, there were millions collected. So we need a bank and reconciliation statement from all these individuals, uh, Mufti Saab. Yes, uh, I think uh, uh, an independent audit will be good. because I can just imagine how much money people are giving. We purchased goods for about 1.2 million when we were there. Uh, just now with uh, roughly about $86,000, I think, U.S. dollars. And uh, it's not so expensive, the, the, the medication, wheelchairs, etc. Uh, so we have the slip, we have everything from our side. Uh, we have done that, you know, we're just waiting on uh, the Egyptian authorities to release the medication because it is stopped taking time in Egypt, so it will only arrive on the 6th of July. And then from there, to take it into Gaza, the three-day trip, uh, Shafati has to be escorted with the Egyptian army as well because you are uh, going to uh, traverse uh, dangerous terrains, you know, 
And uh, from there, you, you have to go into the Rafa border. That is if uh, the South African embassy obviously permits it. But coming back to the original question, I'm telling the people they should be very, very careful uh, when they pledge money to Palestinian. I've been there at now to the Palestinian cause, you know, be very careful, ask for transparency, ask what are we going to do with the money, because, of course, uh, it's, it's uh, like I said, uh, initially it's a cash cow, you can take and collect and solicit money from our uh, generous South African people, but uh, half of it money will most probably not end up for the Palestinian cause. Now, the irony of the whole situation is Israel bombs the infrastructure, uh, maims and murders and kills the people there. Now you must go and get the wheelchair, you must get the medicine. Why isn't Israel held responsible for what it has done to those innocent people? Why is it that the you know Muslims of different countries have to collect the money, bring in the medicine, and that doesn't even get in there? Perhaps uh, some you know Israeli authorities, it's alleged, uh, are taking half the money or three-quarters of the money or even taking the medicine and uh, doing something with that. Uh, the, the, the question... That should be uh, should be asked. Why isn't Israel held responsible for destroying infrastructure? And then you know, a country like Egypt is complicit with Israel. I mean, Sisi is an Israeli puppet. Uh, your thoughts, uh, Mufti Ibrahim Smith? Uh, yes, uh, Shafat, you know, I have to be very, very careful what I speak because many people are listening in. We were escorted. I felt for a second in Cairo like Ramaphosa being escorted like a boss around. You'll see security calling in, monitoring you, uh, etc. Many things happening there. You know, I don't want to disclose a lot of it now, what happened during this trip, but uh, for the safety and safety of my team, I can tell you that Israel has absolutely no accountability. Uh, in fact, when we were there now, they were giving the Palestinians uh, uh, expired uh, uh, COVID vaccines, you know, on the verge of expiry, and the Palestinian people, of course, they've refused it. Uh, what was said, uh, Shafat, I, I met in one hospital a 15-year-old uh, girl from Gaza who just came from the war. Uh, has autoimmune disease. So you all know that's also vaccine-induced. So And the mother was standing there crying when she saw a South African delegation coming in. And we couldn't stop. Uh, also, we also started to cry because imagine she had to travel almost 500 kilometers. Uh, they had to bring her via ambulance from Gaza. And then they escort her into the Palestinian hospital there because there's no life-saving drugs for the people in Gaza right now. It is basically a concentration camp that is in existence for don't know how many decades. And uh, the aid is not reaching the people that uh, of Israeli authorities. They seize the aid unless you negotiate with them and you bribe them and you pay them, etc. Then most probably. But uh, I just want to share with you quickly that whilst we were there, one convoy managed successfully to go into Gaza. It is the Arrahma Foundation from our brothers and sisters from the Maldives Islands. But they had to stay in Cairo 45 days. 45 days just to get permission from the Egyptian authorities. And when they eventually went in, it was only the CEO of the Arrahma Foundation that was allowed to go in. The rest of the team had to stay behind. So we hope that will not be the case with our convoy, you know. And uh, inshallah, that, uh, as soon as I hear any updates from them, uh, when I get back to Cape Town later, I will update the public G. Alhamdulillah, absolutely brilliant, Mufti Saab. And, you know, you're a man of truth, man of heart. And anyone that speaks the truth, Allah will protect them. Uh, Mufti Saab, what time you have to board uh, the plane? No, I still have a few minutes. Uh, Shafat will take some questions, inshallah. So All right, brilliant. Back into the picture. Okay, because, uh, you're, you know, you the QA, quickfire Q&A, and the uh, questions are already on the screen. And uh, this one says, uh, uh, Mufti, Please give a brief update about... Okay, you gave us a brief update. Mufti has given us that. Just for that. Your second question. Hey, you can hear him. He's in the airport, people. There's an announcement going in the background. 
Mufti uh, Saab, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you brilliant. Okay, lovely. Uh, your question here says, Assalamu alaikum. We had two different waves already, Mufti Saab. Shouldn't uh, that have taught uh, the government a lesson in preparing for the third one? Uh, oh, now we've gone oh, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, maybe 100 waves coming through, Mufti Saab. Unfortunately, the government won't take lesson from the first and the second wave. They've all the time 500 billion they squandered of the people's money. They cannot give any accountability. I've said it so many times on different uh, media platforms, you know. They should have taken heed and listened from you know, the preparation of the first wave. Now they're running around uh, trying to source uh, ventilators, trying to source extra beds. What happened to the uh, temporary hospitals uh, that they uh, constructed? It was broken down as well. See, as the variants in the streets, now we're busy with the Delta uh, variant, Shafat, and more variants will come often of the spike protein, so all of those things, so that will happen, that is undoubtedly, uh, there's no shadow of doubt, but they won't take heed of this, you know, and likewise we'll continue till the 10th wave, 14th wave, the thing most likely to continue until 2025. Yes. Looking at this question, it says, Assalamu alaikum, hope Ustadis, alhamdulillah, my question today is, I made a promise uh, saying, Ya Allah, I will read the Hajjus every day to fulfill a specific task. Lately, I have been finding it difficult to fulfill the promise, but I try my best to wake up for the Hajjus. However, it's not every day. My promise, I said, was uh, to wake up every day, but I cannot fulfill it. The task has not been fulfilled as yet. What should I do, Mufti Saab? Number one, uh, we shouldn't impose difficulties upon ourselves. You know, only do that which you can humanly do. The moment you impose difficulties upon yourself and things happen uh, that you're unable to do it, and then you will feel bad. So as long as it is not a vow, if you've made that promise to yourself, you can make uh, take confession, and uh, then you can uh, make an intention to make it whenever it is possible for you to perform Salat al-Tahajit. But at the same time, if a person made the intention uh, for Salat al-Tahajit and he, he uh, somehow slipped, uh, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him this reward for having read it. Same salatul tajud at the same time shafat or other way to perform it. So don't make the habit of that also. Mufti Saba, can a person perform a qurbani on behalf of a deceased in both the Hanafi and Shafi? Yes, it is permissible to perform in the Hanafi mother to perform a qurbani in Uthiyah on behalf of a deceased person. For those people who follow the Shafi school, in their view, is it is only permissible if a request has been made. Uh, by or the request has been left behind from the deceased person. So if that person instructed you to uh, perform a kurbani after his demise, then it will be considered valid. If not, then it is not permissible for those following the Shafi view. Uh, Mufti Saab, can we read uh, Juma at home? Juma at home under the current corona circumstances. So there's a division amongst the ulama fraternity. Some people will say yes. And some people will say no. So I'm of the opinion it is permissible uh, if there are, of course, three adult males, excluding the imam. If the imam is there as well, then it will be permissible uh, for them uh, to read. But it must be Bali males, uh, Shafat, then uh, Jumaa will be valid, inshallah. Is it uh, permissible to deliver non-halal items to non-Muslims? According to Abu Hanifa, it is permissible to deliver such uh, impermissible and non-halal items uh, to other denominations. Uh, there is no uh, sin in that. In, for Shafi people, it is not permissible because they will be aiding and assisting in a, in a vice and evil. So for Hanafi people, yes, it is permissible. I am struggling uh, to get my rent money from tenants uh, because of lockdown. What does Islam advise? Yes, uh, the entire country, the entire globe is going through 
conditions and situations. If you as the landlord, you cannot retrieve your, te- your rental money from the tenants, then give them some concession, they have some leniency, and ask them to pay you in future. Uh, that is actually what the Quran advises the people, you know. Give some respect to the people. People are difficult to see. Now the restaurants and those people in the food industry, they basically lost their jobs again. Uh, there's no income for, for that because of the government's stupid laws that they impose upon the people, Shafat. Uh, so therefore, I'm telling the people that they have some leniency. And wherever you can write things off as charity, then you can do that also, G. Is it permissible to take out personal COVID-19 insurance policies, Mufti Saab? All insurance policies is uh, impermissible, whether it is for business, whether it is for personal, because it contains uh, levels of uncertainty, it contains interest, which is usually and uh, it's a gamble as well, because sometimes you pay these uh, premiums and uh, the insurance company takes you for a ride. They're always looking for excuses not to pay you. So that's why we, don't, we put our trust in our complete waqul in, uh, in Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we do not this yes unless it is become mandatory the government has imposed it upon you I just came from Cairo and landed a few minutes I didn't take any travel insurance I went like I went and I came back like how I came back now Shabbat so from there also we can take lesson inshallah yes uh, good uh, you know live nasiha there on yeah live how the money worked out for Mufti Saab because he had yakin. Full implicit faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Will zakat be discharged if it is uh, used to purchase ventilators? Well, you cannot purchase ventilators using zakat money. Zakat money is exclusively for the poor people and they must be made owners of that money. You can, however, use sadaqah and lila money to uh, purchase uh, much needed ventilators and then from there distribute it to the hospitals. When you purchase ventilators, no one becomes the owner of it. It belongs to a certain organization or to a certain medical fraternity. So do not use the card money to purchase uh, these things. Is it permissible to inflate the price of Qurbani animals before Eid? <laughs> Every, everything is a season, Shafat. Everything is a market. I don't know why people who do this, but normally they will inflate, inflate the prices of sheep. Just now you'll see that the normal lamb that was one and a half will go up to 3,000 rand. Already in a difficult situation, people want to perform kurbani. Then you find the business people in this particular uh, segment that they will start inflicting the prices. So yes, you're allowed to make a profit. Uh, do not exploit the people. Uh, you know, give the people a fair chance to perform. People are saving up money. Uh, some people in the Shafi communities, uh, they are saving up money as well uh, to perform kurbani. So uh, be fair in your dealings and Allah will put in your business, inshallah. What is the ruling on using probiotics, Mufti Saab? Probiotics is permissible if the contents of the product is from a permissible nature. So as long as it doesn't contain pork or any other ingredients or alcohol, forget better. And you must remember probiotics is very good because it cleans the gut uh, of all those nasty bacteria and it aids in, in digestion as well and neutralizes the stomach acid. So uh, from a health perspective, it is good to take it especially in the morning. But you get various products on the market, Shafat. So first look at the ingredients left. And uh, after that, if it is free from all those things that I've mentioned now, then it will be permissible for consumption. Uh, sadly, we're not permitted uh, to go for Hajj, but Saudi is uh, busy preparing uh, music festivals. Any comments? Hey, ay, 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 the Shaitan La Danzdar, Mufti Saab. Saudi, uh, even the people in Egypt were speaking, you know, we don't know what's happening in Saudi. They're only allowing 60,000 local people to perform Hajj. They've excluded the rest of the globe, but they're opening the globe, especially uh, the Jeddah in the Riyadh, for people to come to music 
festivals, you know, so that is completely wrong. So now you can see this Vision 2030 that this uh, MBS has planned for it is a total transformation, taking away spirituality, removal of religion, etc., and then bringing in all these CRT tricks. Uh, that they are busy with. You know, people should voice uh, their disappointment. Uh, that, uh, that people should uh, speak out and, and pressure should be exerted upon uh, the Saudi regime and the Saudi government in order for them to change their policies. In Olama also, it is required uh, from them to speak out against the tyranny and oppression uh, that we are currently facing. I've seen people uh, traveling uh, to Saudi, uh, you know, none uh, of uh, people traveling to Saudi as well, coming about for their business. However, when it uh, comes uh, time for Hajj and for Umrah, then we are told, no, it is not permissible and it is not safe also. Yeah, this question says, is it uh, a sin to snitch on uh, masajids that remain open during level four? Hey, I know a lot of snitching going around, Mufti Saab. <laughs> I actually saw a, a picture of, of uh, a find it, I think, a budget in the shipping uh, that they were given 5,000 rain, the few days they didn't find for keeping the masjid open. I've also read that uh, they actually must uh, mistook the, the children coming from the madrasa and thought that the facility remained open, you know. So it is completely, completely haram to snitch on any house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that remains open. It is not. If you do that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will disgrace you the time of your death. Allah will disgrace you in this life and will be disgraced in the year after. So unfortunately, many of our people, they became soldiers for the government. Uh, they're making sajda and bowing down to whatever this government is saying and uh, then rushing and putting aside their own uh, principles, as far we shouldn't be like that, you know, this is a democracy. We've elected these people into power and we can uh, be elected as well. See them and uh, uh, local elections will be coming up now, so government will start uh, buttering and putting ideas about some of the people by showing that they're doing a lot of things. So it's a religious community, we should definitely speak out against all this uh, oppression that is happening here. Okay. Well, last question here, Mufti Saab, before, are you on the, in the queue uh, checking in, Mufti Saab? I'm, I'm going to go now because I have a seat right in the back, but I can afford to take my time a little bit. Okay, that's good, uh, because uh, there's a question on the screen. Please ask Mufti Saab, what was his uh, breakfast, lunch, and supper like when he was in Cairo? Uh, please, Mufti Saab, we want to know. <laughs> well, uh, you, uh, the listeners are interested. Tell them what was uh, the meals like compared to perhaps your cook sisters and your breedies and uh, uh, the other things you have there, your snook and uh, chips. <laughs> So far, let me tell you about the embassy. The embassy had a problem because we were staying in a one-star hotel and not a five-star hotel. So we told them we're not here to be on holiday and sightseeing, etc. We're here to doing a job. We're paying for our own expenses. So we just need a bed to sleep because they were shocked. Meaning that other organizations, when they come, they seek out the best accommodation, etc. So we were contented with whatever the hotel gave. Uh, they gave the beans normally that looks like, a, you know, the cat more. Uh, food that they give to the to the kittens, so they give the staple <laughs> food in the, in Egypt. And I was like shocked that we came all this way, and they were giving beans to chow and uh, some yogurts and eggs. Also, that is uh, the shelf is completely white. So that was basically breakfast. Uh, however, we ate some delicious food there because I our officials took us for lunch and for supper. So uh, shawarma and, and, and uh, uh, roast stuff. That is uh, what is mostly on the menu there. Uh, I wouldn't suggest uh, eating any meat. They suffered chicken, yes, but meat, no, because uh, it's like they just slaughtered the sheep here, and uh, they pre- presented to you, so sure. you can still smell it.
that, uh, you know, the freshness of the meat, so it is not so palatable for us coming here from South Africa. But the fish and other things, uh, that is wonderful. I only eat twice a day, so this is what I ate in the afternoon. I used to eat something. But there's a heat wave in Egypt right now. Temperatures went up to 40. So uh, we were drinking mostly instead of eating. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the Egyptian uh, meal uh, generally is very bland. They love the rice and they'll have a big piece of meat there. But as you said, they love the yogurt uh, to, to cool themselves out. And, you know, uh, the, uh, many asked the question, they say, you know, Egypt is on the tip uh, of Africa. I mean, right on top, North Africa. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Cape is uh, in uh, on the south. But why do Egyptians consider themselves to be Arabs instead of being African Muslim because they're in the continent of Africa. I mean, there's always, I know, the Arab uh, Republic or uh, of Egypt or something like that. Uh, could you explain that? That's an age-old uh, argument that takes place over and over again. I told them, I t- I told them Egyptians, you are not Arabs, you are African uh, Arabic speaking Africans because you right on top, we right at the bottom. So me, I'm an African, you an African, irrespective of our race and color, we staying on the African. And then sometimes they, be, they become angry and they got angry with me also. You know, I told them that is all you doing. You're not speaking Arabic even properly now because they got their own slang. But they used to love me that side, uh, Shafar, because I used to pick their brains uh, here and there, you know. But Alhamdulillah, we had a wonderful uh, time so far. I had a wonderful time and I wouldn't mind it returning there anytime soon also. But like you said now, the food is very bland. Yes, uh, 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 there's no uh, spices that we are used to, you know, korma spices, kalia spices, pilau, all these things. Uh, uh, you'll have to take your own spices with you go there. I tell you, you know your korma, you know your... Uh, the, the other thing you talk about, uh, Nihari. Hey, tell the people about... <laughs> tell them... <laughs> the, <laughs> we have to order the world. Nihari <laughs> and garlic, man, how can you go wrong, Shafat? Uh, I mean, it's, it's very good for the flu also, and uh, it's, uh, the calories also, it's not so heavy in calories. Uh, so yes, this is one of, I regard it, one of the best meals in the world. Well, people, you heard uh, Mufti Smith, when he comes and visits you, get that Nihari going, people. He'll chow it for you. And for me, okay, Yusuf says he wants butter chicken with rogni naan. Okay, Yusuf. And what about you, brother? He said, oh, just give me those uh, kebabs, those Sikh kebabs. I'll have them with lots of chips and uh, some rotis. Brother, that's a nice one. And put some lots of tomato sauce on that. Lekker indeed. Mufti Saab, absolutely brilliant to have you back. Harlan was Harlan once again. Perhaps your parting words are this morning. Yes, I continue speaking uh, uh, for the Palestinian people, continue speaking about the Palestinian cause. I'll be very, very careful who you donate to Shabbat Ali, and the exception, and ask for complete transparency. Allah save us all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to our Mufti Brian Smith. Really great having him, Yusuf. And alhamdulillah, all in one piece uh, from, uh, yeah, he's been on that uh, expedition. On a fact-finding mission. That's what we call it. And inshallah, all will be revealed soon, people. All. And uh, we had a very fruitful discussion. And mashallah, uh, the Q&A, he really fired on all cylinders there too. And a big jazakallah to you, you and you for sending us those questions. I really enjoyed that also. Please stay tuned. You with Sirius FM 105.7, your number one station in the East Rand.